This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am extremely excited to be here with each and every one of you today. Welcome to everyone in the chat, watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, everywhere you can watch. And those of you listening on Apple and Spotify after the show was recorded, welcome as always. Today's episode is very exciting for some people, not so much for me, because I have to sit here and talk about how much the White Sox suck and how good the Cubs have been over the last week or so. So just absolutely wonderful. Can't wait to get into all of that. Whenever the Chicago White Sox play against the Minnesota Twins this season, I would say there's a fair chance that your boy at least reaches out to one of my friends on Twitter who I've grown to know over the last year or so and become a fan of kind of how much of a troll he is and how good he is at getting under the skin of people. Even though it's my people he's getting under the skin of, I kind of respect it. You know me, I love a good heel. I am a heel. I love all that. Um, Of course, I'm talking about my friend Twins, Ted. Ted, how you doing? Hey, Vinny. Good. Do you actually go by Twins, Ted, or did I make that up on my own? Uh, I think that's like just an easy moniker to go by because the last name is weird and it's a cartoon avatar. And yeah, Twins, Ted is always easy. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to lie. I had to reconfirm you weren't a cartoon, even though you've been on the show before once. I had to like re-remember that you weren't actually a cartoon. It was fun when, uh, I think it was the COVID season, when they put all those, like, fake fan faces or whatever in the sands. I just bought one that was uh, the cartoon avatar. So it was funny seeing that pop up every once in a while during Twins games. That's funny. I I honestly think one of my biggest regrets in life was not getting one of myself put at guaranteed rate field. And, you know, it was a weird thing that we needed to have, like, fake cutouts of people to, like, make it feel like, the game was more real. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I would have did that, I would have been at Giolito's perfect game against the Pirates. And that there to me, go. that to me is like the people who have the cutout, those cutouts were at the Giolito perfect game against the Pirates. And I'm like, no, that was awful. That that was a dumb decision to, by me to not do that. We were only like 60 bucks. We all got a $3,000 income tax check. We could have thrown 60 on it. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Joe wants to know, did Buxton learn to run the bases yet? We'll get, don't answer that yet, Ted. Don't answer <laughs> that yet. Don't answer that yet. We'll get to that. The thing I wanted to start out with you, to be honest, why do the Minnesota Twins all of a sudden have the best uniforms in the American League Central Division? I'm looking, I'm gawking. Those, those jerseys, those white ones that say Twins, oh boy, I love them. So... I think the white ones are growing on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Twin Cities ones were the probably most liked at the reveal, like yeah. the cream alternates or whatever. Yeah. Um, the blue with – my wife was actually saying we went to the game on Tuesday, and she liked the blue, and I think they had the white pants on. I'm not a huge fan of the white pants. I like the blue with the gray pinstripes. A lot of Twins fans – I'm not a huge like nitpicker about – details i guess on jerseys or like the patches uh, ad patches and stuff um but she was uh or a lot of sorry a lot of twins fans were commenting on the the piping on the white pants being like red white and blue instead of just red and blue um but yeah i don't know i it's grown on me and the m 
has really grown on me too. I thought I would hate that forever. It, it's a very Marlins take on an M, um, but I'm just glad that they kept the the TC as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought they looked very sharp against the White Sox. That's actually a nice uniform match, in my opinion. Like, yeah, the White Sox have black and white. It's not me being a homer. Like, they have black and white. I think the Los Angeles Kings have nice uniforms. The Oakland Raiders have, like, it's really hard to mess up black and white. And I think the White Sox do an okay job. So that's a nice jersey series. But the thing I wanted to lean into first when it comes to actual baseball conversation, what are your first impressions of Pablo Lopez? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, um, that was always going to be a difficult situation for Twins fans. That trade started getting talked about, I want to say, back in, like, December. Um, And just the minute that Luis Arise's name comes up, there's going to be issues with that. Um, But it it looks to be a situation where both teams benefited. I mean, Luis Arise is hitting great in Miami, and Pablo Lopez has been amazing for the Twins. And the Twins needed pitching more than they need hitting. Yeah, right now the lineup isn't great and obviously you're dealing with some injuries but Lopez and then adding that sweeper I just uh, wrote something about that at Twins Daily the other day that pitch is one of the best pitches in baseball right now as far as I did not look up following his start against the White Sox he didn't use it actually that much against Chicago Um, but he had not given up a hit on that pitch Uh, through his first two starts had a 37 percent whiff rate or something like that on it he looks unreal Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, the same day that he starts against the White Sox, and he had a rough start to the game. He finished strong, in my opinion. Um, Luis Arise hits for the cycle for the Miami Yeah, it was a really cool – yeah, very cool crossover for those two situations. Um, So you weren't mad about it? I was just – that was going to be my question. Yeah, I think that's great. Like, and you'll see – I don't know. I look at my mentions every once in a while after stuff like that happens. And there's people that, you know, we didn't need him type of thing, but look what Lopez did. I mean, yeah, he looked horrible in that first inning. I think you guys loaded the bases and he gave up two, Um, but to get out of it with only giving up two is huge. And then, I mean, like the Marlins still aren't necessarily a good team and like, they're not going to play the twins anyways, outside of, like a world series or something like why? Yeah. We played them earlier in the year, but they're like, that's not a competitive situation. I want to go see, or I want to see Luis rise do well. I want Luis rise to do well for baseball. That's a good thing to have a guy like Rod Carew, basically that can hit three, three thirty, whatever. It's, it's fun to watch him be that good. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And when I think of Luis rise, I think of pulling out my hair. Um, why? Why White Sox fan? Because you could correct me if I'm wrong. Do you have this same funny moments on Twitter.com with Guardians fans or uh, Royals fans? Or is it the White Sox fans specifically? Because I have a very interesting take on the American League Central Division in terms of my rivals and who annoys me. And you might find it interesting, but I'll let you go first. So I think rivalries are good. And that's really been my take Uh, that it's weird about White Sox fans for years is that like even when the Royals were really good or when the Guardians were really good well they're still competitive or still right there with the Twins but even when they were going to the World Series and stuff or that they were going back and forth and winning divisions with the Twins it never seemed like anyone maybe it's just Twitter but nobody in those fan bases is vocal the most vocal thing I ever remember from the Guardians was Jensen Lewis who is a former I believe former major league pitcher, now their broadcaster or something. It was like, I want to say it was two years ago or 2020 or something, uh, tweeted out like by twins or something. And there was maybe two, three weeks left in the standings. And he took a screenshot of the standings and the twins just went and won the division and put them in the rear view mirror. Um, so that was kind of funny from like a guardian standpoint. It's never seemed like Royals fans exist on Twitter, unless I just don't have that reach, even when they were going to the world series, which it's cool to have engagement. And like my thing with white Sox fans, it's a rivalry on the field. I like that. The what I think the white Sox have for the last two, three years have the best roster in the American league central. I think they have a better roster than Cleveland last year. It was, or the last couple of years, it was poorly managed because Tony La Russa existed, but it's never been like a, Oh, I hate white Sox fans or I hate the, I, I don't like the white Sox as a twins fan. I feel like they're our chief rival and it's fun that they're good again, 
and there is that rivalry. But yeah, anytime there is even a moderate level of like, hey, prodding at White Sox fans, it is an absolute onslaught. There's one uh, Twitter user, I think his name is Shy Sox Fan Mike or something like that. And he's got 20 some thousand followers, but he's a younger kid. And literally my mentions just light up anytime he is in them or whatever. And I don't, I don't know. Sometimes it gets personal, which whatever that's Twitter, but I think it's a good thing that teams have engagement from separate fan bases. I wish, and it's not intentionally trolling or anything like that. It's let's, let's talk baseball, whatever. I wish there was more of that though, from, Cleveland and Kansas city and Detroit, if they ever get good again, but it's not fun to play a series and just talk twins. Like there's another team on the other side of the aisle. You know, I completely agree with you. And that that's my take on the AL central. Uh, The twins are not the team I see as the biggest rival for the white Sox. You're going to be surprised. I think Cleveland is the most annoying right now because of the way Josh Naylor and F the White Sox at the end of last year. Like they, they became an on the field rival last year, but there was never like Guardians fans coming at me and stuff. You know what fan base comes at me the loudest as a White Sox fan? Detroit. They can't stand and Chicago and Detroit have a natural sports rivalry because the Lions and the Bears are in the same division. And you know the 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 Detroit Red Wings and the Blackhawks are the two original six teams that were in the West. And, you know, obviously Minnesota is close because the Lions, uh, the Bears and the Vikings and the White Sox and the Twins, of course. The Wild and Blackhawks kind of developed a little bit over the last. But I think Detroit and Chicago just being like old school, like cities like that with sports, they they become the most annoying when they're good. But the the Twins have always kind of been that one-division rival that didn't annoy me. I almost respected the Twins for all those years. Like, wow, I can't can't believe we're not them. Like, you know, this is the third biggest city in the country, and the Twins just destroy us every single year with Morneau and Maurer and, like, all those guys. So I I respect the Twins. White Sox fans aren't going to like to hear me say that. But, man, what a franchise in the last 20, 30 years. And I think, yeah, I think the games on the field, like that, getting gearing up for a Guardian series seems like a decently sized big deal because of where they are in the standings. Like, even if the White Sox are bad, I care that the Twins like beat the White Sox or play well against them, whatever. It seems like when the Twins play the Guardians, yeah, let's win because it helps our position in the standings or we're chasing them down or whatever. But it never seems like, again, maybe I just don't know the right corners of Twitter, but like it never seems as though there is anyone in Cleveland thinking, Hey, we got to win this. I feel like it's more of a basketball town. Even the Browns have a seemingly louder fan base than the guardians do, which to a certain extent is um, translated at the box office. I mean, for years, have they not had like one of the lower attendances in baseball? It's definitely been one of the lower ones in the AL central and they want they went almost or almost won a World Series. Like, how do you not show up for games like that? Yeah, there's no doubt. Oh, and the Cubs played Cleveland in the World Series too. Can't forget that. Um, but yeah, I think the AL Central. It, it's there's no Cubs, Cardinals, Yankees, Red Sox, stuff no. like that. It, it's whoever's the most annoying in the moment. Right now, there's kind of like a three headed monster at the top of the division, but the White Sox are going to kind of veer away. I think based on what I've seen so far this year. Maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I think the Twins and Guardians kind of are going to make this a two-horse race for most of the season, you know, after the next couple weeks or so, especially the White Sox have a gauntlet to end April. I mean, we're talking like some of the best teams in the American League, and then no Tim Anderson. Eloy will come back this weekend, which is nice, but how long does he stay back? That's always an issue for me. Um, and somebody who has kind of dealt with injuries a little bit throughout his career that you know very well, who I love watching play. I think he'd have three MVPs by now if he was fully healthy all the time. Uh, Byron Buxton. He seems to be healthy right now. A little weird base running decision there. I know Romy Gonzalez was not in the, I think it was Romy Gonzalez. Not in Lenin the, Sosa. Oh, it was Lenin Sosa. Yeah, okay. Yeah. My bad on that. I get, they, they platoon second yeah. base sometimes when he's up, but you know, not a perfect decision by him either. I'm not clearing his name by any means, but weird, weird all around play. But what's your take on Byron Buxton, that play specifically, and how he's been so far to start this season? Yeah. So obviously, I got eviscerated on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I, saw. I think some of that was frustration of just how 
the series had gone and whatever. And then also I was at the game yesterday seeing it live. I didn't see the replay and whatnot. To me, it looked like he had kind of tried to avoid him or go out of the base path or whatever. But yeah, obviously Sosa has to be able to get to the ball. Um, and it was very weird to see Buxton flip as far as he did, I guess. I, I didn't, I mean, he was running full speed, but I didn't think it was like a significant collision like that. Cause Sosa was moving in a different direction forward. And all of a sudden it was like a six car pileup. Um, I hope he's in the lineup today and feeling fine. I haven't, I haven't seen yet and I don't think they have put out their lineup. Um, yeah, they haven't put out their lineup. It, it would be great for the twins to not deal with as many injuries this year. Obviously Correa's kind of sat down a little bit. Uh, Joey Gallo's on the aisle. Kyle Farmer, I don't know how that guy is breathing today after taking uh, Giolito's fastball to the face yesterday. Um, but good there. I think Buxton to start the year has been what you'd hope as a hitter. It's weird to me to try to prevent injury by just not playing a guy in the field. I don't know. I mean, last year he hurt his knee sliding into second base. And this year his first two slides of the season they were in consecutive days against the Astros I believe or maybe it was in the Kansas City series um, he had a triple and like he jumped into third base it was weird and then he had another goofy slide a couple days later but so much of his value is derived from being an amazing outfielder too and I don't know how running the bases doesn't also put you in the way of injury. I don't know. It sounds like mid-May they're going to put him in the outfield. I like to see him out there. The AL Central has some great outfielders. I was just looking the other day at Fangraphs. I believe Luis Robert is like the second or third highest guy um, as far as F4 uh, right now. Which he's gotten off to an amazing start. Um, and seeing him stay healthy would be, would be great too. Um, but yeah, I I'm okay with uh, the way that they've started things with Buxton, but I hope he gets eased back in a bit sooner and quicker than this. Is it fair to compare Robert and Buxton two supremely talented outfielders that are big and kind of awkward with how they fall sometimes though. Maybe that's a result of how big they are, but like you assumed if they didn't play baseball, they would have been edge rushers for Alabama and then made it to the NFL. Like that's the kind of build that they have. Uh, that's just kind of a similarity I've kind of noticed within the last couple of years with Robert coming up. It's weird or I guess funny or coincidental or whatever um, that they both dealt with injuries, but then they both also like kind of transformed how they played every when, when the twins former regime was here, so much of their focus was getting guys just to put the ball in play or whatever. So Buxton was all speed, steel bases, whatever. Now he's a, 20, 30, 40, if he could stay healthy, 40 home run guy a year. And he doesn't need to steal bases because every at, at bat could be a double and he doesn't need to steal third because he's going to score from second. Robert is very similar in that. Yeah. He's a definite power threat and the speed is there as well. It, if both of them could give us 140 games a year or something like that, baseball would be better for it. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And kind of the guy they expect to be his, running mate a little bit in terms of producing offense for the twins this season is Correa. And he's like, as you mentioned, been sitting down a little bit this year. What's the lowdown on him? Yeah. I never thought that there was anything to me, this whole off season. And I, I don't remember if we talked about this last time I was on, but like it, being worried about his ankle was so weird because a, it's never been an issue for him outside of the surgery, but also you're signing a guy, the Giants and the Mets, we're signing a guy for double-digit years. His ankle is not your problem. He's not going to age well because no shortstops age well. Like, by 33, 34, he's going to be a third baseman or something. And with the Mets, he would have been that from the get-go because Lindor is there. Um, but this weekend, Saturday, uh, he dealt with, I think, a mid-back back spasm or something. And to me, that's a little bit more concerning because it's – he's had back issues before where he's missed significant time for the Astros. He said, it's not the same spot in his back. Um, but that's, that's kept him out of the lineup now for three or four days. Um, I, I hope he's back in there today and good to go. He's a 
slow starter at times. I know that there's been some talk about, I think he's at like 490 OPS right now. He wasn't at 600 OPS last year until the end of April. And he still finished with a superstar all-star level season. So that shouldn't be much of a concern. I am, I'm not in the know enough with how teams handle injuries and whatnot, but I don't love the idea of how the twins kind of have gone about this early season injury stuff they let Joey Gallo sit for four days before placing him on the IL after they did the same thing with Max Kepler now they're if if Correa doesn't play today it will have been the same thing again with him I hate leaving your bench short like if you're worried about sending a guy to the IL because they might be ready on day seven well you've played short for a week just to save three days it just I don't love that notion yeah, it's almost yeah. like you'd, you'd rather front load your time missing him with having someone on the bench. I'm with you on that. And they put Kyle Farmer on the 10-day IL with facial laceration. He had surgery yesterday. That that was a no-brainer, though. I don't think they were ever thinking he was coming back earlier than 10 days. Which is crazy that, I mean, you can watch that pitch. I would imagine, based on what they said, maybe he did get a concussion or something. But the fact that he only had dental work done and a cut to his face – I would think you'd be back at 10 days. That's crazy. Like I, that looked horrible. It did. He was holding like a blood clot in his hand. It was, that was tough. That was tough to watch. Um, I am curious though, Correa, not going back to the Mets per se, but I wonder if there's a couple Mets fans that are going to be in attendance at Yankee stadium today to kind of give them the old Bronx cheer. No pun intended. Do you think that's possible? Cause I know that's a thing in Chicago. When Anthony Rizzo came to the White Sox, there were a bunch of Cubs fans there with their signs. Hey, Anthony, we love you. Welcome back. You know, I don't know if that's going to be a thing in New York with the opposite end of love, but I don't know. Maybe that'll be motivation to return. Yeah. I mean, I got to think on uh, from a Mets fan perspective, right? You're talking about an embarrassment of riches anyways, because he was going to play third for you, not short. And that was entirely their decision because Steve Cohen has an unlimited amount of money. So when they came back and substantially changed their offer over his ankle, I mean, their offer was something like 80 million or something significant less than what the twins were offering, given all the incentives and potential option years and whatever. Um, It is weird to me that he's still booed um like down in march and spring training and he's not booed at target field really but you hear it on broadcasts and whatnot like people still have this hate for the astros which whatever but the astros just won a world series last year and there was no cheating as far as we know like that organization and team didn't necessarily need the cheat to win a world series and on top of that there were they were not the only ones doing it. There's just That's no way. Was there was say. tons of teams doing it. They're just the ones that got caught and made an example out of and whatever. But like, I mean, what is that? Three, four years ago now. What does it matter at this point? It's five. It's yeah, five I years mean, ago, and they've been to two World Series since and won one of them. And they they showed that like Correa was good there for a reason. Jeremy Pena came in and replaced him right away. That's because the Astros are what they are. I, I, I'm done. I've stopped clowning the Astros. It's not it was a funny thing. It was funny for a year. And now it's like kind of old. Like, dude, shut up. You wish your team was the Astros. Every organization wishes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, it's they went to the world. They won the World Series and fired their GM. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Exactly. And Lunau probably got made the biggest example because I don't believe he has a job in baseball at all. I think. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I'd fire Rick Hahn and hire Lunau tomorrow. I would drive to Guaranteed Rayfield, pick up Rick (laughs) Hahn, drive him to wherever he wants to go, then drive to wherever Lunau lives. I'll go to Egypt. Oh, my God. Please. (laughs) Please sign me up for that. Um, we talked about Pablo Lopez a little bit. What's what's the rest of the Minnesota Twins pitching staff looking like to you, though? It's funny that this is where the Twins are. I mean, right now they're the uh, – I believe they're the number one team in starters, innings pitched, which 
After last year, everyone wanted to clown on Rocco Baldelli constantly for removing his starters early when that was really never a problem. The problem was that he had Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy to throw out there. Uh, Sonny Gray was hurt at times last year, and Joe Ryan was never good against any other good opponents. He was pretty solid against, or he was great against weaker opponents. But this year, I mean, Kenta Maeda has come back um, looking very very good, very capable. I mean, the last time he was fully healthy, he was a Cy Young candidate, which 2020 take that with a grain of salt. Um, Joe Ryan has looked better this year. He added a pitch to his mix. Sonny Gray has always been a capable top tier arm when he's healthy. He didn't work out in New York, but he's been good at other places. And then Tyler Molly, I think I said on opening day, Quinn's daily hosted a little event. And I said, I think my hot take would be he wins the AL Cy Young. I don't think it's likely, but I think there's that level of ability in him to elevate his pitching and his game that far, which would be crazy for the twins rotation. For sure. And they're going to need to show it here against the uh, New York Yankees really quick. Aldo says Astros cheating scandal, like the white Sox or the black Sox scandal, Tim Dunahee and other cheaters. They all have to wear the Scarlet Sea forever. You know, and that's going to be the case. That's going to be the case. Yeah. I don't know if it'll keep Altuve out of the Hall of Fame. We'll see because he's going to have numbers that support his deserving of it. So, you know, maybe it'll be like a Barry Bonds thing where he's on the ballot every year and people are going to debate and he's going to start getting into the high 60s for percentages. That's kind of my prediction. Maybe he'll eventually get in on one of those years, but I don't know. And that Twins pitching staff, back to that, the Yankees, huge lineup, obviously. You can – you know, look at it right now. The Yankees did actually just reveal their lineup for today's game. The Twins is still uh, pending, but they're, they're running out Torres and Judge and Rizzo and Stanton, uh, Calhoun, Cabrera, Cordero, Higashioka, Volpe. I mean, it's just an outstanding group there. Big test here through four games for the Twins. I think they can handle yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, it will be a good test. Um, I think this is a, a situation where – We'll find out more about the Twins pitching because so much of the lineup, key parts of the lineup, is missing. Um, the Twins did just drop their lineup in crazy. Uh, rookie Edward Julian is going to lead off. It's his second uh, major league game. He debuted yesterday against the uh, against the White Sox, but had an amazing World Baseball Classic. Um, I think you know if the Twins can hang two wins in this series, that would be great. Looking at the pitching matchups, though, I mean, Nestor Cortez is amazing. Um, but I believe they they miss, or Garrett Cole might be the, the game four starter. Um, but they really should be favored in two of the four games, which is not something I think we say often when we go to New York. I mean, I don't know much about Johnny Brito, and then Domingo German or Herman is middle of the road at best. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're getting Garrett Cole. Yeah, you're getting Garrett Cole on Sunday. I want to say he's, yeah, the game four starter. Yeah, Sunday, absolutely. And that, that's a nice pitching staff that the, you know, it's an okay pitching staff the Yankees have. I like the Twins. Um, I like the Twins kind of in this series, and at least two and two. I, I think they can pull it off. And I know there are going to be White Sox fans rooting against them because they want to claw back into this thing, but it's not like the Baltimore Orioles for them are going to be a cupcake. So, you, you think they can take this series, though, or two out of two, two out of four? It definitely helps to have – it looks like Carlos Correa is back in the lineup and batting second. I mean, that's a huge, huge boost to the Twins lineup, whether he's struggled out of the gate or not. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they've done more with less offensively for most of the year. They haven't – had a complete compliment since the first few games. Max Kepler was horrible out of the gate before hitting his um, home run a few days ago and then immediately went on the injured list. So it's not like they've had a ton of, you know, their whole entire lineup being able to come out and be healthy. Um, like you said, I think it's a good test. It's a good spot where we'll find out is pitching enough. And I said that going into the year, this team is not uh, the Bomba squad or the 2019 team that hit 300, whatever home runs. That's so easy to continue to remember because it was so fun, but this team is so far removed from that. They're a pitching and a defense team. And that doesn't mean they're going to win every game scoring one or two runs, but they're not going to bludgeon other teams. They're going to keep themselves in it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking at this lineup. Christian Vasquez, good good player for the Red Sox in the past. He was with the Houston Astros a little bit last year. Kind of an upgrade over Al Gary, right? Oh, absolutely. And oddly, Ryan Deckers has been the Twins' highest producing player in terms of F4 um, to start the year by a hitter. So that would be great if he hits this year. He's kind of struggled to stay healthy and struggled to produce throughout his career. Having Vasquez at the bottom of a lineup is is pretty impressive. Um, I don't love Michael Taylor running out there every day, but you're not running him out there for anything but defense. Um, and it's really looked like Trevor Larnick, who has been a well-regarded Twins prospect for quite some time, um, is now coming through. And as long as he's healthy, he's somebody that should continue to – produce in the middle of that twins lineup absolutely so they're off to this eight and four start competing with the guardians and maybe the white Sox all season long for the top of the division do you think they can keep looking this good for the entire season i'm kind of putting you on the spot here as we wrap things up i think both teams will eight and four obviously is a strong pace um we're 12 games in Again, though, the Rays probably aren't going to go 162 and 0, even though they're looking like they might start 13 and 0. Um, I think with the Twins, the White Sox, and the Guardians, whichever one wins it, I pick the Twins to win the division with 92 wins. I think there's a possibility that somebody could win more than that, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if the AL Central winner was a 90 win team. I just I think that it's probably clearly the most watered down division at the top in the American league. I think the Astros are probably going to win significantly more games than that. The Yankees probably will. The blue Jays probably will. So yes, the twins will be there at the end. I believe I don't think barring injury again. um, I don't think they'll fall off. And I don't know if, you know, the white Sox hang in there or the guardians hang in there, but whoever does come out on top, I think it's going to be around that 89 to 92 win mark. Absolutely. And we meet each other again in the first week of May. Um, I'd love to have you back on as often as I can this season. We could talk Twins, White Sox all season long. And, you know, you provide provide great Twins content. Don't let those White Sox fans rattle you too much, even though I'm going to make fun of you at some point throughout the summer, I'm sure. Just like I quoted your tweet ripping on all the players that were (laughs) All those players are way better than the ones that I named from the White Sox. There's no – someone – one of your Twins followers came at me like – yeah, I'd have to award that Carlos Correa had last year. I was like, I don't care. They're, they were bad last year. We want them to yeah. be good this year. Right, um, right. <laughs> you know, we want those guys to have similar wars this year where they're capable of it. That's the point of all this. But, you right. know, so, Ted, we'll talk to you later in May. Promote all your stuff, though, before we let you get out of here. Absolutely. You can always find me on Twitter at TL Schwerz. I write at Twins Daily. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Ted's a great follow. He's going to annoy the crap out of you if you're a White Sox fan. Cubs fans might want to follow him, though. Cubs twins, that'll be a fun series this year. I don't know. Oh, they do play each other. They play. The Cubs are in Minnesota a week after the twins are here in Chicago in May. So May 12th through 14th, the Cubs are at beautiful Target Field, which if you're a Cubs fan looking for a place to go, Target Field is a road destination that everybody should want to see, in my opinion. So, you know, credit to the twins and good luck to the Minnesota Wild in the playoffs, Ted. Thank you, sir. We will see you later. And everyone, we're going to send you to a quick commercial break. What I liked about him when I saw him in person at the East-West. So I think this kid gives you a lot of potential in terms of what you're looking for up front. I see him in the Bears offense as a Z or a slot receiver, not the X, because they want the real big guy playing the X. He could be sitting out there in the third round, and you could be getting a guy that could be your situational pass rusher. I think he's a perfect fit for what I've been told the Bears are looking for. This is my three technique for the Bears, especially if you don't take a guy like Jalen Carter at the top of the draft. This would be a nice pickup. It's perfectly in the system. My gut feeling is this would not be a guy the Bears would take. It's a good name because that's a guy that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, here with, with the Bears, you know, defensive line, defensive front is, is a huge need. I think he's the best center in in this draft.
As a football fan, you need to go to patreon.com slash barroom network to find all of the great draft content revolving around the Chicago Bears that we have to offer. I mean, it is just great stuff. And I wrote a little mock draft for thewindycity.com and it uh, not a little mock draft. It actually had like upper 2000 words. And I went through each Chicago Bears pick that they have and made a selection for them in each round. Now, obviously, when you do a mock draft and you start getting late in rounds, you don't know for sure that those guys are going to be available at that time. So, like, I had them take I had them take the TCU quarterback with the very, very last pick, second to last pick before Mystery Relevant. And why? Like, are the Bears going to take a quarterback this year? I don't know. I'm of the opinion they should take one close to every year in the late rounds because you never know who gets hurt. You never know where the next Brock Purdy is. Like, I don't know. That's just kind of always been my take. And you can't assume Justin Fields is going to play every minute of 17 games based on, you know, the way he plays and not poo-pooing Justin Fields. Amazing player. Love Justin Fields. He's going to take some vicious hits over the years, and it wouldn't shock me if they need a backup quarterback to earn them a win or two over the next couple years when they're competing. So if the kid from TCU's there and you think he might, you know, be worth taking a flyer on and running him out at camp this year, I I would love to see that. And yeah, I think Duggan is in the draft this year, and I had the Bears taking him with the second to last pick. So you know, we'll see if that's something that. You know, I've seen a couple of mock drafts where Green Bay takes him in the seventh round, you know, knowing Aaron Rodgers is leaving and like, are they going to run Jordan Love while having Doug in there to compete with him as a backup? Like there, there are all sorts of ways to go about NFL football mock drafts and stuff. And Barroom Network uh, has even better coverage than that. So make sure you tune in and go to patreon.com slash Barroom Network. The rest of the show, I'm just going to quickly give you an update here. Um, there's probably going to be some changes coming across Crosstalk Cross Talk over the next couple weeks that I'm very, very excited about and excited to present the way or present a new style that hasn't been here on Crosstown Crosstalk over the net over the you know, history of the show. Obviously, Joey Parisi, one of the founding members of this show, hasn't been on in a while. He's always welcome to be a part of the show. He's always welcome to be a part of any of the shows uh, that I do, but you know, obviously greener pastures sometimes take over and, um, you know, the show goes on though. The show goes on with VP. So we'll see what happens there. I look forward to communicating that with all the fans of the show that are here every single day, listening, uh, live or on the podcast network. Um, the White Sox have a series coming up with the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles are six and six. The White Sox are five and eight, just a game or two off of each other. Um, I, I think it's a series the White Sox can win. It's one they need to win. If they don't, they're really in trouble, but you got to go in there and you hopefully get Eloy back. I think Moncada will play. Um, Robert's been off to an MVP caliber start. If he can stay healthy, I mean, th- that's the White Sox problem, right? And that's what makes me think that, you know, a rebuild again could be kind of on the horizon is you just can't trust any of these guys to stay healthy. And I've kind of come to that realization, like what made what made the Cubs so good in the late 2010s was the fact that you can expect 130 plus games, 140 plus games from Baez, from um, Rizzo, from Bryant. All those guys will play if they're even if they're even if they're not playing to their full potential. I think there were a couple years where both Bryant and Baez didn't play to their full potential. They're 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 75 percent potential, still better than the replacement players. And the White Sox are using a lot of replacement players. Hanser Alberto has given up a couple runs as a third baseman over the last you know little bit. So I think there's a chance that you know there could be big changes coming if they don't start to turn things around too. And then on the other side of town, you have the Chicago Cubs, who are six and five. Six and five are the Chicago Cubs. They were losing seven to nothing two nights ago, and they came all the way back to win. Uh, there's been some good vibes there at Wrigley Field over the last little stretch, and they're seeing production from, you know, some of their top guys. So they're hoping that they can keep it up. And they got a big series here coming up with the what are they called? The Chicago Cubs have a big series coming up. Oh come on. MLB app. It's the Dodgers. They're in LA to play the Dodgers, who are considered to be one of the best teams in Major League Baseball. But you got Justin Steele, who's off to a very good start, going up against Noah Syndergaard, who's not off to a very good start with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So you never really know what happens there. And then on Saturday, it's likely that you will see uh, Jamison Talon 
take on Grove of the Dodgers, another pitcher who two two pitchers there who aren't off to the greatest starts of their career by any means. But then uh, on Sunday, the rubber match of the series, you would think uh, Drew Smiley facing off against Urias. And Smiley's been good in his Cubs tenure, but he's not off to the best part. Um, Urias, though, really good pitcher. Really, really good pitcher. And the South Burbs hitmen want to know why am I talking Cubs? Um, I have to. Uh, that's the point of this show. Um, the White Sox, we get to them plenty on South Burbs hitmen. And, you know, there's really not much to discuss with those. I mean, there's plenty to discuss with the White Sox. But in terms of an all MLB focused show, um, with highlighting the Chicago teams, I think we did a fair amount of White Sox with Twins Ted. And, you know, we could go over the series, though, really quick. Wells is going to start for the O's on Friday. And Clevenger, who's off to a really nice 2-0 start, will go for the White Sox on Friday. And then you're going to see Kopech face Gibson on Saturday. And then Dylan Stay will be Sunday. That's obviously a matchup that favors the White Sox as well. So if they could get a good start from Clevenger and earn a win on Friday, I think there's a chance that they can win this series against Baltimore, which will get them back into things in the standings. But I just uh, – I, I think I've counseled them already. Like, when they lost yesterday, I was like, okay, yeah, they lost. Like, like I, and when they win, I'm like, oh, yeah, nice, they won. And I'm covering them for Southside Showdown. It's what I get paid to do. I'm going to watch every single game this season, even if I think they're going to get killed. Like, there's, I'm probably going to at least watch a majority of all 162 games. But – and I just – I'm not going to live and die with the results this year. I don't think they're that good. So prove me wrong, White Sox. I'll unconsole you so fast. I don't care if that's not allowed. I make the rules. It's my show. Um, I I just – I'm not living and dying with the results. I'm living and dying by watching, of course. But my hockey team's got a division to win tonight. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm living and dying these days. Um, and that might sound bandwagony, but it's really not like – if you know your team's not going to win, why would you be so frustrated if they're going to if they lose? Like last year, we all came into the season thinking World Series or bust, so it was frustrating every single time they lost. This year, it's like I kind of expect them to. Like I'm still going to love the team and watch every second and root for Robert to win the MVP and see what TA can do with his batting average and watch Colas develop as a rookie. But like, if they're going to win 79 games this season, I'm not going to sit here and cry every single time they lose. It's just not how my brain works. And that doesn't mean I don't love them. That doesn't mean I don't want them to win. I just don't think they're going to. And if they prove me wrong, they'll prove me wrong. Go out and have a good series against the Baltimore Orioles. If you sweep them and you're nine and eight, no, you're eight and eight by the end of the weekend. Like, you know, then I'll be a little bit more back in because then you'll have the Phillies who are off to a terrible start, but they're still the team that were in the World Series last year. And they have Schwarber and Castillabos and, you know, all sorts of Trey Turner. Just a great lineup there in Philly. Go out and win that series. Prove me wrong, White Sox. As of right now, you have disappointed me. Um, Doesn't mean I'm rooting for the Cubs, though. It's just the Red Sox, they stink. And the Braves are really, really good. My other, The other team I like to watch. So the Braves are probably going to be the team that, I root to win the World Series once the playoffs begin because they're the only one of the three I watch frequently that'll be in the playoffs. But I don't know. We shall see. Um, I've enjoyed the start of the season, though. I mean, if you baseball's the most localized sport, and nothing annoys me more about that because I I think baseball should be just as national as hockey, football, basketball. I don't get why people only watch the White Sox and the Cubs. That makes no sense to me. But you'll watch. You'll watch the freaking Miami Dolphins play against the Chargers on a Sunday night. Like, why? Why can't we do that for every sport? And there's so many great things to watch in baseball. The Braves are so good. They're the best team in the National League. The, the start that the Brew Crew is off to is off the hook. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks are 8-5, and five, leading the best division in baseball. The Dodgers and Padres are in second and third right now with the Diamondbacks leading the way. We'll see how long that could last. Um, the AL East is a gauntlet. The, the Toronto Blue Jays are 8-4, and four, which is an outstanding record, but they're only tied with the Yankees and four games about to be five behind the uh, soon-to-be 13-0 Tampa Bay Rays. The Los Angeles Angels, please, Angels, keep winning. They're seven and five. You have Otani and Trout. 
those are things that baseball fans need to be watching. And Travis says, I agree. I watch a lot of different baseball teams. I just love baseball. I'm the same way. Uh, I watch even more non-White Sox games once hockey's over. Because, like, last night I watched – we'll get to this in a second, but I watched an outstanding play-in game with, between the Chicago Bulls and the um, – who the H was it that the Bulls were playing today, yesterday? Why am I drawing a blank on who they were playing yesterday? Oh, it was the Toronto Raptors. And I was just like, this game's awesome. And on the computer I had the Islanders versus the Habs – and, you know, because the White Sox played earlier in the day that day and, you know, lost, of course. But it was one of those things where, like, I'll be watching so much more baseball when all these – when hockey and basket – mostly hockey are over. But I, I don't miss a Sox game no matter what's going on in hockey or anything. So it there's a lot of great baseball, though. The Houston Astros are 6-7. and seven. That's not good. But guess what? Late in the season, them and the Mariners are going to try and be taking over the – uh the uh, AL West there. Foster says, I used to love Saturday day baseball. Oh, my goodness, Foster. On a Saturday during the day, you might have the hockey games at night, like the Stanley Cup finals that night or the Eastern Conference finals that night. And I'm like, during the day, the White Sox and the Cubs play at 105 and 205. And you could sit out on the lawn and watch or listen to those two games while you're cooking up some lunch waiting for the hockey game that night. Oh my God, that is the best Saturday ever. That is literally the best Saturday ever. You have people you love around you and you're doing all those things. That's outstanding. Um, yeah, Hassel Vinny Hour. Let's go. Um, Travis says, go Rangers. You better be talking about the freaking baseball Rangers there, Travis. I know you live in Texas. You better be talking about the Texas Rangers. No, no stinky New York Rangers. Although I'm hoping that by the end of today, the New York Rangers aren't my problem. Um, that's a very real possibility. Um, I do like the Hassel Vin segment idea, though. I could take it all. You got something to say? Let's go. Let's go. I'm actually very looking forward to what we got coming up here with Crosstown Crosstalk. It's an amazing show. This is something that's been important to me for a long time now, and I love bringing you baseball chatter each and every day. Um and I think we did that today with Twins Ted. Um, great Minnesota Twins analysis. There are lots of White Sox fans. Don't be one of those White Sox fans, though, that come at people like Twins Ted just because he likes to have a little bit of banter online. It's just baseball talk at the end of the day. Okay, Texas says Texas Rangers off to a good start, 7-5. and five. Absolutely. I mean, you could talk about – I like the Texas Rangers. Fun fact, the Texas Rangers, if you were to ask like seven-year-old Vinny what is his second favorite baseball team? My second and third favorite team changed throughout the years. Don't mind me. I'm a bandwagoner when it comes to second and third teams that I like to watch. The White Sox are always number one. But if you would ask like seven, eight-year-old Vinny, who is your second favorite team, I would have said the Texas Rangers. Loved A-Rod. Loved A-Rod when he was with the Rangers. Um, I was a huge fan of Josh Hamilton back when he was winning home run derbies and stuff. I remember. I do remember when Pudge was there the greatest offensive catcher ever probably in my opinion or up there for sure. Um, and you want to look at some weird shit that you didn't know existed. Go look at Pudge Rodriguez's career statistics. Just absolutely one of the most insane players who ever lived. And nobody talks about it like they should nobody. But um, yeah, I think baseball's got a good thing and you need to tune into as many games as you can. So I'm going to leave you all with that tonight and make sure you tune in to all the great shows here at the Barroom Network. I'm talking patreon.com slash barroom network and go support those guys who are doing so much work on the upcoming draft. Tonight you have Mac and Reed Talk Bears. Uh, they're talking offensive line and Bulls playoffs, 6 p.m. Central. Really quick, shout out to Dust Bulls. Dust Bulls, huge win, losing by 19 at one point, came all the way back to defeat the Toronto Raptors, who are going to be eliminated from postseason contention. And now the Bulls play the winner of the – or they are going to play the Miami Heat, who was the loser of the game between the Heat and the Hawks. Um, they they played a couple nights ago. The Hawks won. They become the seventh seed. Now the winner of Bulls, Heat, becomes the eighth seed. And there are so many people on Twitter.com and whatnot saying, oh, the Bulls, they have no chance to beat the Heat. 
blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you said the same thing about the Raptors, too, didn't you? Didn't you, people who think they can't beat the Heat? Oh, I hope they beat the Heat so bad. Um, draft on tap, look at um, – oh, draft on tap, 830, draft on tap, look at mock drafts for the Bears. Uh, hopefully they look at mine. Look at mine, draft on tap, guys. Tear me up. Tell tell me why that's a dumb pick. Tell me why I'm I have flawed um reasoning there. Like I want to hear it. I want to make good mock drafts. I'm gonna make a whole bunch more before the draft. So hopefully they include mine on that. Um Foster says, was Hassling Vinny and Frank got him to say, saddle up your meatloaf. Saddle up your meatloaf, Foster. I'll be saddling up my meatloaf. Um he also says fucking devils. Fucking devils better win tonight. If they win tonight. And the Carolina Hurricanes lose in any fashion, the Devils will be the Metropolitan Division champions. If the Carolina Hurricanes lose in overtime or a shootout, and the Devils lose in overtime or a shootout, they the Devils will be the Metropolitan Division champions. Um, and then, of course, if the Devils lose in any way or lose in regulation, they will play the Rangers in the first round as the second seed in the division. And Carolina will play Florida. Obviously, the Devils' two possible opponents are Florida and New York. So that's my Talking Devil segment on this show. And make sure you join me again. The next time I will appear on this network is not Monday for the South Burbs Hitman podcast. It's actually Sunday because next week, Frank Mueller and I are going to have a very special two-episode week of Bar Down Talking Hockey. And the reason is we couldn't preview the playoff series yesterday. Because we don't know what they are. Only one NHL playoff series is locked going into the second to last day of the season. It's actually the last day of the season. And the two games tomorrow are makeup games from weather situations or whatnot throughout the season. Um, they, they're not matched. The matchups are not set right now. They will be most of them tonight. But, like, I have no idea who the Devils are playing in the first round. It's either the Rangers or the Panthers. We have no idea who the Bruins are playing in the first round. It's either going to be the Islanders or the Panthers. So, and the Rangers are either going to get the Devils or the Hurricanes. Like, we can't predict. Like, there's no way. And then when our next show comes on Wednesday, every team will have at least one playoff game played already. So, we're not going to predict playoff series with one game already done. Then Frank Mueller will just pick all the teams that won their first game. So... I think it's very important that we do this show on Sunday. Yes, tonight, Jonathan Taves, last show or last game as a Blackhawk. So make sure you're tuning into that. Frank and I will break that down on Sunday as well to open the show before we get into our playoff predictions. And we might have a very special guest host appearance from one Joey Parisi. I think that's in the works. And I want him to look me in the eye and pick against the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think he has the balls to do it this year. I think Frank Mueller thinks he's going to back him on that, and I don't think he has the do the 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 gonads to do it. I just don't. So we'll see. I hope everybody tunes in to all these shows. Special Sunday bar down, and then cross or South Burbs Hitman back again on Monday night talking Chicago White Sox. So I hope everybody enjoyed today's show with Twins Ted, and you can follow me at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Read all my work from fansided.com. Follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing. Hooray!